Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hey, everyone. How are you doing? Uh, welcome back. Is this, is this Mark Tardif or Real Buddy Cloutier? My most popular hat on today, but because we're, we're going to be talking about a team from the province of Quebec. There you go. Exactly. Yes, the team from the province of Quebec. Okay. Um, Russ and I, and Russ um, sent me a note last night regarding like a d download of some like, live a, a live Yes album that I guess just came out, and um, the download, the, the the music quality of it is so it's so good. I mean, and you know. It, and and you know we're, I, I'm of the mindset now. I've got I've gotten I've come to the age where very there's very little new music that I listen to, and now it's like I'm trying to discover some stuff that I didn't listen to during you know my you know like I mean I, I like I liked Crowded House ten years ago, but I didn't really get into Crowded House until like seven or eight years ago and now i have like 25 songs on my ipod like that type of thing right. i've right. rediscovered new bands well you know yes is one of our favorite all of our favorite well i don't know Here, here's the thing yeah. and Eck had brought this up a while ago when crazy neil young had that high def machine and nobody else had it but but this is now a website and they've been around for a little while but i had sort of ignored them called hd tracks right and so when you download them they're all on high bit rate and you can, and I downloaded like an AIFF format and you can make like, you know, your own sort of like little mini master CD. I haven't done the CD part yet, but the difference is like, I'm a live music guy. Like, I don't care if you remaster a studio album. I don't care about any of that because I heard it the way I heard it. And that's and the Mike's way I like the exact opposite, right? Like Mike, you're the, you're yeah, no, I mean, well, well let Russ finish. Hang on, just hang on. Continue, continue, finish, sorry. But when you, but when you listen to this, this actually brings you closest to what a live music show is at your home. And and the thing is, look, I have a feeling 20-year-olds don't care about this. I know they go to concerts, <laughs> but I don't think they care about live albums the way we used to care about live albums. And back in the day, like, Yes Songs was probably the best live album in 1972 that there ever was. And I got to tell you, ARWs, if you get it off of this website, is the best live album out. That's yeah, send me this. I didn't want to check this out. Um, yeah, it's funny because though I actually this is just a funny story about the quality of music for a second because the um I think it was called Pono, it was called Pono Pono was the Neil Neil Young player. I actually have one. I actually do have. I don't one. remember the whole thing. Yeah, I have one of them. I have, I, and it, it is bizarre. It, it it just plays a very high definition. You know, it's it's like a high definition iPad. And the idea is that people of this generation and anyone under probably thirty doesn't understand that. All the music you listen to on your phone or anywhere you're listening to streaming is all being compressed, right? right. Being compressed greatly. Now that doesn't matter as far as the emotions of performances and stuff like that go, because it's just right. that you know you don't really hear that. And if all you ever listen to is that, you know, like we grew up on, you know, I'm saying, you know, I was had this debate with my wife the other day. I said, you know, my daughter, my daughter and our son are they're growing up on horrible sounding music that just sounds like all like tinting and compressed to me. Right. And yet, she pointed out that we grew up on cassettes. Which were far, which were far worse yeah. than 
far worse than compressed music. So it's well, like, here it was cassettes were out of convenience. So what we did was to get better sound was you you still you did the recording yourself. You did it off an album and you bought the highest fidelity cassette you could because you knew the companies were using crap. But right. even albums were even albums were not at the quality of of compressed. Yeah, no, no. I said, no, I'll, actually, I'll, 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 something really interesting about vinyl. I know there's the yes. whole vinyl thing. I vinyl? understand the vinyl thing and everything that can be reproduced. With no, no, let, let Peter go. Go ahead, Peter. I was just going to say something interesting about vinyl is that the vinyl technology for the guy companies who were making records all through the seventies and eighties, it never updated. Yeah. They never invested back in the technology. And now that you're seeing bands and things re-release vinyl, it's, um, it's they've there's companies now who have invested in huge technology to make the vinyl that much better. So yes, audiophiles drop like three thousand dollars on a diamond stylus for their turntable, mm -hmm. but the actual vi press vinyl has ne not changed until recently, the last fifteen years. The yeah. quality of how those machines made them has You're not right. been changed although, since the sixties. Although, although Peter and I can say because my my brother owns an electronics business and uh, and is an audiophile, you know if you listen to an original master recording LP of say anything like Fragile from Yes or The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway from Genesis and then you listen to a regular LP, you can hear the difference. It takes you have to have a really good system to be able to hear the difference. But you can you can hear the difference and even no, you, point, you can. But yeah. the technology for the audio delivery. Had never yeah. been reinvested in. That's the difference. Yeah. Is that no, it, it stayed static? Dead technology until recently, right? It was. I mean, it was a dead technology for about ten years there. So it completely. But now, you know, recently now everybody's putting out. No, 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 no. Just, just what, to your point, Ak. Like I'm somebody who I love the original studio version of something because it's something that I listen to. It's something I, I you hear the same thing, and that's what you like, and that's what you want to hear. Now, the only thing that's different is. I I also dig the like some of the remasters that have come out, but it's it's sort of hit or miss. I've heard remasters of Genesis stuff and of Beatles stuff that I think is fantastic, and then other ones, same groups where they went in a direction where I didn't like, and they you know I, 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 I know we're getting too obscure here, but you know just bear with me two seconds. A song that we all know. Uh, from from Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, Riding the Scree, side four, you know, there's a great crescendo of of of, uh, of all different instruments coming together to the point that it almost blew out one of my brother's speakers when I cranked it because it was just so loud and so emotional and so, you know, so much bass and everything. And if you listen to it remastered and if you listen to it where it's been altered, it loses all of its feel. So that, that stuff, you know, that's what I don't like. What I do like is a little alternate versions where you hear other instruments or the voice brought forth a little bit. I like that. Well, there's remastering is a really complicated thing, and um, and and there's a lot and there's a lot of different ways to do it. Um, there's there's you know what we saw for years were remastered where they would take the stuff and they would see because there's rec the recording process and the mastering process are two totally different things, right? So when you record an album, you record it, you mix it, and then you master it. Those are three things. So. Mix, mixing it is after you put all your instruments down on various tracks, the engineer mixes it, that, that then you end up with something. Then from there, you take it to a mastering studio because what happens, the original reason you mastered an album was because like our last album that we did, we did with um, seven different producers in 12 different studios. And what ends up happening is all the songs, they don't, when you put them together side by side, they don't sound like they belong to the same 
band because they're all mixed in different by different people in different studios. Right, right. The, mas the mastering magic is to bring them all sort of together into one thing. That's the original reason for mastering. So mastering technology is improved by leaps and bounds. So you can go back and you can take the original finest finished mixed album of like say Sgt. Pepper's and remaster it, you know, um, and you can get a much better sounding record. You can also just take that final mix and put it through some software now on your iPhone and get a better sounding record. I mean, things have changed so much, but the real key to read the real, the real art is, was the me most recently redone Sgt. Pepper's album. If you heard that, that, yeah. That is off the charts. What they did is they went back and he actually took the original tracks and put them through, you know, 2010 um, premix uh, preamps and things like that. And and they so instead of so he remixed the entire album. He remixed the entire Sgt. Pepper's album, mm. putting it through modern day technology. So the drums, which you never hear really on Sgt. Pepper, which was always Ring, Ringo's big problem with Sgt. Pepper. The drums now are phenomenal. They sound like they're, and this this is all over. These are just you know the they beat were, of the they, they were muddled. They were muddled before. They were sort of yeah. These are just the beat and the bass. The bass, you know, to connect a bass and a kick drum, which is like something that all music does now. But back then was really hard to get that you know the bass and the kick drum to connect to sound like one instrument almost. Um, it was impossible. But this new Sergeant Pepper, it'll blow your mind. And he also did it in mono, which is mis which is awesome. So. Yeah. It, and I know that sounds weird, but the Beatles didn't record these albums in stereo. In stereo. So they didn't have they didn't, the concept of, you know, like Pink Floyd records an album in stereo because they, they, they do all these things. The Beatles, a lot of those stuff that came out later was put into stereo, fake stereo, and released. Right. And, and But they didn't record them that way. So if you don't record an album in stereo, it, it, it doesn't make sense to, really, to, to put it in stereo because you didn't right. make it. So we'll just have this sounding on the – like when I record an album, I would often say, okay, we'll have this little sound in the background. It'll be in your right. It'll be in your right ear, you know, whatever that yeah. kind of thing. There was nothing like that. The Beatles didn't do anything like that. Everything had to be down straight up the middle in mono. So, and, if you want to listen to something amazing, I totally recommend. And it's on. It's on YouTube or whatever. Look for the 2018 Sgt. Pepper's mix. It's just okay. I'll check it out. Yeah, and and I have to say one one more thing. The the fact the fact that we now and it it's not the highest sound quality, but I know that I've been to concerts in the last few few years with my phone and just recorded on the same voice recorder that I've recorded, you know, press conferences and got and had unbelievably, you know, really good quality sound in terms of recording uh, music as compared to some of the bootlegs that I hear from the 70s. Yeah. Where I think you know some well, guy, some guy had a had a tape recorder strapped to the inside of his yeah. thigh. You're and recording had digital, you know. You're, you're recording yeah. onto a digital domain, like right away, you know. Yeah. That's, well, that's, I mean, you know, if you go back to the band that started it all, um, we, live recordings made them accessible to everyone. There is a live music archive of tons of bands, but the Grateful Dead are up there, and you have your plethora mm -hmm. of concerts and shows to pick from of any era of them and there's way more bands there now and i just put something in our little chat here but if anyone wants to look for it, it's on youtube it is hands down the greatest non-professional audio recording that exists today and it's pink floyd live at oakland coliseum may 9th 77 yeah. you've got to listen to this it is yeah. it's legendary it's yeah. the animals tour and um and a mix in with a little bit of wish you were here and it is Wow. stunning it, yeah. it, you, you'll never hear you you can't even believe that someone managed to pull this off how archaic things are things were back then like that tour and i didn't get to see it 
but like they had like floating pigs and stuff, and people went crazy over that. I have a cousin who um, is now a very famous. Uh, I shouldn't even say he's 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 in the public eye. He he um, went to the went to the the wall show at the Nassau Coliseum. Oh yeah, remember they only put the the wall was only performed live. I think two places or three yeah. places. LA, Nassau, Montreal, and London. Right, right, and that was it. So he went to the Nassau one, and with all those you know floating pigs and everything like that, yeah. and uh, and may have may have accidentally dropped some acid, and um, he ended up uh, in the in the you know in the halls of the Coliseum, thinking the world was going to come to an end. Um, so it was kind of crazy, like, I mean, but to get to get back to one little quick thing about quality, I played. So I have a Pono player, which is Neil Young's player, and I recorded, I, I downloaded some music, a, a Taylor Swift, because that's what my daughter likes, um, in full resolution, right? So, which you don't hear on an album or you don't hear anywhere else. It's just because Taylor Swift released this on Neil Young's website about the full resolution of this, and only there. And I threw really incredible headphones, not just like earbuds, but real good headphones. And I played it for my daughter um, to see what she would think of this. You know, like, I'm like, you've never heard this before. I told her, you've never heard anything of this before. And she, was blown away by it. Like she really was like, wow. She 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 said I heard she heard parts. She heard different things. Um, so there is there is something to it if you're younger to actually to try to try this at some point to find a better quality. Um, not that it's going to change the emotion. And I've got terrible I've got terrible concerts that are some of my favorite recordings. I mean, terribly recorded concerts. That are some of my favorites. And I don't I don't care about the quality. I just because the emotion is right there. Um, Actually, here's a funny thing. So like I saw on this website, they have the Ramones all cleaned up, and I didn't want to buy the Ramones all cleaned up. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> my final my final thing on on this whole thing and we'll move on is what's really interesting. I think is the debate between live and recorded music that like Russ on one side and Mike on the other, and um and that whole thing. And I've always been, as a, as a musician who's been involved in recording both live albums and re I've recorded a, a many studio albums, um, studio albums, this, this, is, this is what I equate it to. Studio albums are when, you, when your whole family gets together and you wear like white shirts and, and jeans and go to the beach and they take a picture of you. Right. And, that, and it's a great photographer and you all look, you know, you, everybody's hair looks perfect. Everything's perfect. The scenes, everything can be touched up at the end, you know, in Photoshop and all that stuff. And is that your favorite? favorite picture of your family or is your favorite picture you know the picture when you were all just sitting around the dining room table and someone snapped this quick shot that was just like ridiculous because somebody somebody just said something really funny and you see everybody's real personalities in there and what they are that's a live recording so to me that's the difference between the two studio and live yes yeah, some everybody wants to make the wants to make a beautiful picture where everybody looks perfect but you don't necessarily get the emotion or what those people are really like as well as you do in that quick snapshot that's a live album so that's my little uh, thing for today. Right. You're rolling. I like studio better <laughs> so you got to get those perfect pictures, Mike, all the time. Yep. Um, all right, there you go. Never know what was real. Um, okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> oh, I can wear all this. Oh, let me do this for people because this has been a long one. Here we go. 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 You got to pull that off. Yeah. All right, we are live. Hello, hockey world. It's Monday, September twenty fourth, two thousand and eighteen. I'm Michael Agello, and how about those Buffalo Bills? <laughs> Hi, Peter Tessier, and yes, the Bills thumped the Vikings, and uh, how about Wheeler and Shifley then? <laughs> I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast, and Hockey Buzzcast, really who we should have on today is Kevin. I mean, the Lions beat the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, that's it. You know. The league's horrible. I don't even want to talk about it. Yes, yes. <laughs> let's, let's just go into hockey, please. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Good night. Um, no. <laughs>
see. No, uh, we have the podcast that comes to you at this time or not sometime during the day, but usually around now. We're early today because of a couple of schedule situations, but we're usually at one o'clock in the afternoon and um, we're going to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. So let's jump into today. We have two teams we're going to talk about. So I think we should just jump into them because they are not easy teams to talk about and they have a lot to them. Um, and, you know, and I don't have any other really big hockey news. I mean, we had things happening well, over the weekend. First, go ahead. Couple things. Right, uh, just, I mean, um, I mean, I just mentioned before the the the, the show started uh, to Russ that uh, Josh Hosang, who's a, a well regarded prospect, a kid with a lot of talent, uh, got sent down by the Islanders. And this is, uh, you know, th- this was somebody who some people thought would get a second chance once it was not. Not uh, Garth Snow and Doug Waite, and maybe that Lou Lamoureux and Barry Trotz. He'd get a a, fr- a fresh opportunity, but Russ, I, I don't know. He's got so much talent, but there's a lot of other stuff there that I think I, I don't know whether he's ever going to get a chance with the Islanders. Well, I, I disagree. Like I I was on New York Radio last night, and I brought up Josh Hosang because I wanted to bring up that subject, and I I'd seen him play once live, and a couple of preseason games online and I said he's not going to make the team I don't think he's going to make it because what's happened with him is as far as speed goes he's the fastest guy in the ice like it's unbelievable how fast he is his stick handling's great he gets over the blue line he gets into a corner he's Alexei Kovalev he doesn't know what to do with the puck and he can't finish and I that those are the things that I brought up that told me he's not going to make it and they gave him a chance they put him with some good players he just doesn't know how to finish at the NHL level. And that is a big deal. And so I looked at that and I said, you know, this is Josh Hosang's fault. It's nobody else's fault because now Trotz is a new coach. And if you know anything about Barry Trotz, he doesn't care what happened in the past. He doesn't care about contracts. He just looks at a player for what he is. So I trust Barry Trotz. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think that, um, doesn't this feel like the guy who will lead the Seattle Thunderbirds to the Stanley Cup in 2021? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I, I don't know when I, when I, it, I mean, yeah, this is like, this feels like what we talked about with Marcia. So like, it doesn't feel it, 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 you know, super fast. can do a bunch of things. Yeah. But oh, there's been a lot of guys who have been super fast in this league. Oh yeah. No, this is a lot of things. Not, actually, he reminds me of that. Alexander Dig. Like, and then well, a, I mean, I mean, I mean, comparison because Dig is like, Historically, the worst the, first round overall. The, the different the difference is Marsh so got an opportunity with Tampa. He got an opportunity with Florida. Right. He, he didn't with the Rangers though. The Rangers kept him buried in Hartford. That was right a mistake. Right, and I mean, it just and it, it just I, you know, I'm not saying that he's Marsh so, but he is the kind of player that if I'm Seattle, like you know, I am. Oh yeah, you definitely give it give it a chance. No yeah, I mean, this is the kind of guy if you because there are so many what we talked about with all the with all the players. On the on on the on the Vegas team, a lot of them were um, analysis by paralysis losses on their other teams. A lot of times, like yeah. and, and you know what I mean by that. It's like like they just these were players that were like, oh, he's he's good, but he's not as good as this guy. He's not he's not quite as fast as this one. He can pass like this, you know. So we're not looking at the overall of him. We're just like this. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna knock him any ice time. And by not getting any ice time, he gets no more confidence. And by not getting confidence, they they they, they go into oblivion. Well, you know, and this this actually segues. So I think the Flyers made a big mistake with Danik Martell. And and this is a guy three years ago, I wasn't sure what he was. And I would tell people, hey, he's super fast, 
Right. But, you know, he's really thin. There's other things. But he had beefed up over the years. He showed me something late last year, even though he didn't – I don't think he scored when he came up, but he looked good. I liked what I'd seen out of him preseason this year. So, you know, they sent him down. Tampa picks him up. Now, here's the thing about this one. This one could turn into a marsh so because even Ron Hextall wished him well, classy thing to do. But Ron Hextall did make a classic mistake. And the classic mistake is he was like, well, look, this is probably going to happen again because we have so many guys. But here's what he's not telling you. If you remember, there was a couple of games ago where the, the younger team went to, I think it was to the island, and he didn't like the way they played because they sort of played a little soft, right? Yeah. Remember, they, they didn't yeah. play yeah, they came right out of the box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. up to flyers, standards, and whatever he was talking about that day. I think that's what he held against Danik Martell, and I think that's why Martell got sent down. And another team like Tampa looked at it and said, hey, we need a guy like this. This is like a secondary scoring kind of guy with speed that we could drop on our third line and cause some problems. And he could even play a little penalty kill if you want him to and can be a little bit of an offensive threat. I'm not saying he's going to score 50 points, but I'm right. saying for Tampa, he could get 25, 30 points. Now, now there were a couple contracts signed on the weekend. Uh, one was expected, but uh, the other one was an extension that was sort of out of nowhere. Uh, start with the Miles Wood one. He was one of the four restricted free agents not signed. Uh, he agrees to a four-year deal at $2.75 million per. Now, there's a little discrepancy here because Russ, because – he, he completed his ELC, and he signs a four-year deal, and the reports are, or at least I saw the Cap Friendly had him as an RFA. I think he's a UFA at the end of this four-year I think deal. he's a UFA after the four, yeah. Yeah, and if that's the case, they they, they, they they didn't buy any unrestricted years, so that's why the, the, the amount is so reasonable. But I think that this is sort of like a statement that the Devils are not big believers in Miles Wood because otherwise they'd want to get him signed for longer. I agree. Now, here's the funny thing. Like, this is the this is what the Devils actually wanted, and they, in a way, they they won what they wanted with this strategy. Miles Wood's happy because he said, "Hey, the Devils saw long term in me, and that's why they signed me to a four year deal." And I'm thinking, "Hey, dude, I I get long term four years. It's not that long term. Like, there's eight year deals in this league." So he sees it one way, I see it another. But the problem with this with this team is. Josh Harris seems to still be doing huge things with the Sixers. No problem spending money there. And believe it or not, if I didn't look at this with my own two eyes, the Flyers and the Flyers, the Devils have 15 million mm-hmm. in cap space. They have more cap space than the Islanders do. Yeah. And and this seems to be a strategy. Now, is this a strategy for next year's offseason? Maybe. Maybe Shiro's going to be a big player in it, and that's what they're doing. But as far as for this season, to me, they didn't spend like you're supposed to spend in a metro area team to keep up with the Joneses. Or they're or they're uh, they're they're saving their pennies for Taylor Hall's new deal. Um, next year, like he's already being paid for this year. I'm just saying, going into this year, to have that much cap space with the season starting doesn't make sense to me. Does it make sense to you, Peter? No. Doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't. And I I don't know what else to add to that. If you're you're Corey Schneider, you you can't be thrilled about this. They didn't pick up one big free agent. They signed a lot of AHL contracts. They did a lot of little things. They invited guys to camp. 
they didn't have one big deal at all. Not even one signing where you could say, all right, you know what? The Devils may be better at X this year. I can't tell yeah. you anything that they're improved in other than but, they expect their young guys to to bring to that one step. You, you know what I wonder with the Devils, though, Russ, to that point, is as, as a guy watched the Jets for the first seven years here, they never really did anything. It was it took Kevin Shevelday off something like three seasons to make his first player for player trade. He was like waiver wire Chevy, and he was picking things up and doing things like that. And I wonder if that's what the Devils want to see what they are, and then look and, and find out. Like, sure they don't they don't have to hurry. They don't have to hurry up and do anything silly. But yeah, if you're Corey Schneider, it sends a message. But all the money Corey Schneider is aware of what they're trying to do, just as much as they are. And that they've sold him on a bit of a plan and what they want to do. And they want to see some things because, you know, that may, you know, there could be a possible deal that they want to do and they're waiting to see if it's worth doing or not. I I look at the Metro, right? And it's a down year for the Rangers. It's a down year for the Islanders. It's a perfect year. If the devils would have just went out and gotten a little more scoring that they really could easily get a playoff spot where now, I think they're a playoff bubble team. I can't tell you they're going to make it because they made it off the strength of Keith Kincaid last year. I mean, he went on a run that most backup goalies would never do. Russ, I think the secret plan here is they're going to add a big number one center. It's going to be Joel Embiid. <laughs> I am. Um, but it really, I mean, Eck, you have to admit, it yeah. does seem like they spend way more money and a lot more attention on the Sixers side than they do on the on the Devils side. It's interesting comparison to like to to to, to do you know, um, and I don't know how much we don't know how much ratio is. You know what? What messages? What he's he able to do? Yeah, we don't know. I mean, the the thing that they are selling, okay, that their selling point to me, or and a lot of people, I think as well, has been, and it's really interesting because there's a lot of teams are. It's such a copycat league that we have. We have like we have what we are the Vegas of the East. That's what they call themselves. Um, there's a, we're the Vegas of the East. We have the speed. We work. We play fast. We play. We play quickly. We do. They all. They they think they're on the right track. Vegas doesn't. But Vegas did more than them. You know, like yeah, they did. <laughs> But at the same time, you know, they, uh, no one expected Vegas to do much, right? Like the thinking, feeling was that Vegas wasn't going to do a whole lot, that they were going to move along. And so when I was talking to them at this time, when I said this, why I laugh now, because if I went back and had this conversation, this was before Patrick Reddy. This, ah. you know, this is so, you know, but the, the conversation that they had, they were very much into the fact that they that they weren't going to do anything crazy because they loved the young players they had. They felt like they overachieved last year. And um, and that was so one like, like Fash out in our chat room said, um, Good. The Devils didn't fall in love with our overachieve over, our, with overachieving last year. I think that's that is kind of that is very much the talking point of them. We're not going to fall in love with the fact we overachieved. We're going to stay this, and we're going to. We are the fastest. We were the quickest team, and um, and although this is a down year because the Rangers and Islanders are down, you still have the Penguins, Blue Jackets, Capitals, and Flyers in that in this division. Right, and that's why you have to keep up with them. But you have you have four teams that are all really good. Like the Flyers are looking I think the Flyers are gonna be a good team this year. I, I don't I'm not, you know, gonna go out of my way to say that, you know, because obviously I'm a Flyers fan, people are gonna think I am but if people if know me that I picked the Flyers to not be good the last couple of years. I think they're actually gonna be good. The top three though, Columbus, Washington and Pittsburgh are all good teams. There's no right. question about it. Right? So you're the Devils, you're basically saying with those three teams with our group of youngsters, we're going to be good as either the Stanley Cup champion, the team that just lost by a hair to the Stanley Cup champion, and the Jackets who are loaded. Like, it's crazy. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. They're, their plan apparently is to build around Heischer, Brat, and Butcher, 
and and you know and and you and you have you have an established guy like Hall, but I, I don't think that's enough. You've got to go well, out. If Zaka does a lot better, it's still not enough. But is, there, is there, but is there anything they could have done that would have been enough to reach that? Because you really, yes, a lot of things. They have a lot of they have a lot of prospects. Act. They they could have right. traded one or two of those guys to get a patch already if they had interest in signing patch already. See, I don't that does that just prank you into the horrible middle? You know, what I mean, does that just take you into the horrible middle? Like, if they go and get patch already, are they stuck in that? That you know what I mean by that? It's like there's like to to catch up to Columbus. To take Philly out of it, even to catch up to Columbus, Pittsburgh, and Washington, the Devils. There's nothing they could have done by spending that fifteen million dollars to catch them up, right? There's nothing. There's no way they can get close. How I mean, about this? Do what Colorado did and pick up and sign Matt Calvert. See, there's things like that that I that, and that that's what I expected. Shiro usually does that kind of stuff. He didn't do that. That that is surprising. I do agree with you, and that that's why I wonder. You know, I definitely wonder. Um, it, it Devils fans are interestingly on board with this and i don't know if this is because and I've, when i've talked to people it's, it's funny that they are they just are you know we are putting up more like even with wood i got some emails last week about you know are you guys so into what they know what they're doing those is it just devil's fans like lewis taught them to always believe you know like that everything that, that the, this is not lou lamorell anymore guys this is like this is not him so they have this but they have this blind faith in the devil in the in what the devils are doing you know and their ability to always be kind of obscure like they're they're never going to go out and get they, they like to be an obscure team you know patrick iliash one of the most obscure superstars of the last you know 20 years right it's just this is what they do right but that's um, different they were obscure with really great players yeah, yeah yeah they have a couple of really great players and then the rest like even damon severson could have had a lot better year but john hines Completely changed his role last year, yeah. so his offense went down. Like so, I again. Well, offensively, where is it coming from? Well, uh, we'll save the more in detail uh, analysis on when we do our preview of them probably sometime this week. But uh, the other, yeah, the other signing, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll save Byron signing for our Montreal yeah. preview because it's yeah. part of it. The other interesting thing was Robbie Fabry getting hurt again. Ross. Now I don't know if it's a, of anything of a serious nature, but you know I think part of the optimism about St. Louis was getting Fabry back along with you know yeah. obviously the acquisitions of O'Reilly and Bozak and the young guys like Thomas and Cairo, and there was talk about them moving on from Fabry because the, yeah, he was so injury prone, but his sort of his value is down because of that. And if he's hurt again, I mean it it, it it's really I mean. He's a, he's got a lot of talent, but if he it's hurt another time, that's really that really hurts his future. But it seems to be, and I retweeted a tweet yesterday, like a muscular issue in his hip. They were quick to say it is not his knee or not a knee situation, but I think we all know knee, knees and hips. You know, you have a problem with one, you could have a problem with the other, and and this is my worry because Fabry's a speed guy and he needs that core to be really good. And this could be a derailing thing for him. Like, we don't know the severity of it, so I'm not going to speculate. But when I saw that he just got injured, that was bad enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, just him getting injured just sends cringes through, you know, every St. Louis Blues fan. Because, and I, I mean, I, when we had our early picks, and this is why we have early picks, you know, that I, I, picked them to be, I picked them to be tough because I was like, Fabry's, if they get Fabry back, that's a huge pickup. Yeah. That's enormous, right? So. Yeah, that, that I mean that's going to be a tough one. Let's move on to Montreal, okay? Because Montreal, um, the Montreal Canadiens are always a great topic on this because um, you know Mike's a big fan, I'm a big fan. Uh, Mike and I are always on the side of the Canadians. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. I think they were going to like, uh, you know. Yes, I blew ble I, I bleed blue blanc and rouge. Yes, I uh, I dug deep on this one because this team is fascinating when you get into some of these numbers. Okay, these numbers. It's a train wreck. They don't tell the same story though, which is interesting. I'm not. I, I'm going to actually shed light of optimism on the Montreal Canadiens today, guys. Okay. All right, because I know that's 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 an unpopular thing to do, but I'm going to do it because I really do believe it. So let's start right off the bat here. Um, their goals against per game. Uh, well, remember Montreal finished, you know, out of the playoffs and they had a horrible year. But we know that last year. But let's get into some. Their goals against per game were 26th in the NHL. That for Montreal Canadiens team is ridiculously terrible, right? Um, and especially a team that has the best goalie in the NHL, in many people's opinions, Carey Price, who was hurt, of course, on and off, but still. 26th in the NHL, 3.22 goals against average. And the crazy thing about that is that, you know, their save percentage was a, a team 0. 0.903. That save percentage number is nuts. I mean, heck, heck, we got to stop. Go ahead. We have a picture on Twitter of the Flyers' new mascot. Oh, it's unbelievable. This, this is the, the Oilers launched the worst mascot ever. Flyers, no, no, this, my beer. This look like, looks like a, like a relative. Of cookie monsters that they never talk about, like that <laughs> uncle that you know you haven't seen him in twenty years because he hasn't shaved and he hasn't. We're stopping the Montreal oh Canadiens. Yes, game in the NHL for the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm telling you right now, this is. It looks like the poop emoji. That's All right, what I'm hold on. Tell him. Give me. Send me. Send me a link. I'll pop it up here. I'll send it to you right it's now. Unbelievable. And his name is Gritty. Oh, jeez. And his brother is grindy. Actually, I just uh, you know what? <laughs> what? Just to throw myself Why out of window. What are you gonna say, Rasmus? Just, just no, 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 there's no like link. Oh, here we go. All right, I got it. Just anything. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Um, <laughs> this is you, you interrupt. You better. It's better be good because you interrupt your by font. No, no, no. Trust me. And and there's a worse picture than this one. But use this one. UP right, is just going. I'm gonna have that guy for lunch. <laughs> okay, wait a second. Well, this is just this. Hold on. <laughs> so this thing you sent me. Oh, I got it. I get this picture. All right, hold on. It, you know what it is? It's animal on acid. <laughs> oh, my son's gonna That's love what it. it is. Right. Just All right. Okay, I'm getting there. All right, here we go. Um, <laughs> gritty, 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 gritty. Oh my god. Crazy. Um, boy. Sabretooth and Carlton the bear have nothing to worry about in the. Uh... The first thing that comes to my head is where is Sean Tilger? Um, all right, okay, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's an insult. Maybe this is where Scotty Hartnell ended up. Um, maybe this is Scott Hartnell. This is because we wondered where it was happening with him, right? Oh boy. All right, the Flyers introduced a new mascot. Here we go. Boy, this was like they did this. At, did they do this at City Hall? Where the hell is this? Yeah, and here's a picture image that you can pull up. That's even more. We're in Meta World. Sorry, what happened there? Okay, here we go. Don't talk, anyone. There he is. <laughs> My God, I like him. I think he's. Uh, <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> I think he's fun. All right, pull up this you other. Know, that picture. basically sums up what people think of the of, of a Philadelphia fan base, like just these crazy googly eyed maniacs Heck, who are probably red haired stepchildren. Like it's perfect. Go with this other picture I just gave you. It's even more horrifying. Oh my god, he looks possessed. Yeah, he looks like he's going to assault children. 
This is Marty, terrible. This is this is this is just bad. This is really bad. If Marty Feldman was a furry mascot, <laughs> it would be gritty. Oh my god. Now we know now we know what Robert England went when after he finished Freddy Krueger. Actually, he's on the Goldbergs. This this Twitter is amazing. Did X sign off? He got scared off by Gritty. Oh. Hello, children. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> This is better than like a live Carlson trade, as far well, as I'm I, I wanna, concerned. I want to. I want to thank Gritty for interrupting the positive spin on the Montreal train wreck because I can't see any positive spin for Les Habitants because yeah. so, they are they are going to be a, a crap show this year. And so you know, one of the things I saw over the weekend, a Twitter, I can't remember who did it. It might've been Eric Engels, but I don't think it was, it was someone else. And they were talking about Coke to Niemi. I got to yeah. say that right. Sorry, and they're talking about what they should do with them. You guys interrupted me. I'm going to interrupt you because I have a special announcement that someone wants to say something about this. Um, okay. So uh, <laughs> he's not quite sure. I mean, are you kind of, you kind of without words. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Beaker's not so sure about this mascot. He's a uh, you know, he's a big fan of. Uh, That's <laughs> frightening. Beaker's been tweaking too much. Um, yeah, go ahead. All right, thanks. Thanks very much. Take take your off with your day. Go go research Minnesota. All right, go. Thank God it wasn't rushed. My intern. That's my intern, guys. I'm not inviting Gritty to any kids' cool. birthday party. I'm not doing it. No. I think it's great. Okay, I think that remember what mascots are for. They're for children. They're not for you. Okay. Um, remember, with all that fur at the, at the NHL All Star Game, he's going to be impossible for the thing to see. Peter, show that picture again. Yeah, Peter, but, but 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 all, all you're going to do is you're going to traumatize children in the in the Philadelphia area with with this with this. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's let me hear this. Uh, there you go, folks. So, all right, that was, that was, all right, Grady. Can we now? Can I? Can I continue my Montreal thing? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. Thank you. <laughs> Boy, that was, that was really tough. That was tough. It's tough to come back from. We're going to try. I'm going to try my best. Um, all right. So like I was saying, the crazy thing to me about Montreal that is really hard to imagine is that they were that bad defensively. And yet, here's, this, here's the nut, nutty stat about the Montreal Canadiens. Their power play was 12th in the NHL. Would anyone have guessed that? No. Yeah, but 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 for, no, I mean, how, why would you guess that? I mean, we all think that, and they're they're scoring. They were twentieth. Okay, now the twentieth is not good, but that means there were eleven teams that were worse. At no, no, I wouldn't have guessed that either. No, but, yeah, but the, the, the 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 problem is, Zach, is that sixty percent of that power play, the best sixty percent of that power play, is gone. Mm. Shea Weber is hurt. Pacioretty has been traded, and Galchenyuk has been traded. So where where is that power play this year? I mean, I, I mean, I'll let you, you, no, what, first. you go first and talk about the positives uh, about the Montreal Canadiens, but that should not be a cake, and you ate all the icing off, and he came down to cut himself a piece of cake, and there's nothing but just cake, and you took all the icing. You're a horrible human being. Go ahead. You don't know. Come on. This is. This, I mean, for them to be for them to have eleven teams that were worse at scoring, I think is something because I mean, we look at how bad they were and how terrible they were, and they still they weren't they were actually worse defensively. Now, they had the worst save they had the twenty fifth worst save percentage in the league. They had the worst shooting percentage in the NHL. All right, so put that in put that they were their shooting percentage was the worst. Now, even though they were twentieth in scoring, the worst shooting percentage in the NHL. 
-hmm. What is shooting percentage? You know, what does that tell you? Is it bad luck? Is it lack of snipers? I mean, people are, there's always debates about shooting percentage, what it means, right? But the, to have the worst shooting percentage in the league and still be 20th means that you're getting chances. That means you're getting, that means you're getting opportunities to score and you're not burying it, right? No. So that snipers, or is that great goaltending? Is that bad luck? Is that weird circumstances? Well, Montreal's offense, which is so horribly maligned, probably shouldn't be as horribly maligned as even as I've been doing because there are teams that are worse offensively than the Montreal Canadiens. And they added, and I think Domi is going to do what Gallagher did at least. Like, I think that, I don't think, I mean, not, not what Gallagher, I mean, Domi's going to do what, what um, Galchenyuk yeah. at least. Okay, I don't think that that's going to be, I, I really think that that is at least going to be, you're going to at least see that from Domi. You're going to see something for that. And I like, I mean, another year of Victor Mete, I like, I like Matt, you know, I, I, I like him a lot. He's, He's a he was a rookie last year. You gotta get you gotta get more out of Osner for sure. You have to think Osner's gonna be better than he was last year. And picking up Niemi as a backup last year at the end of the year, man, remember Niemi was pissing off Canadians fans because he was winning some games for them. Niemi is a great backup. If price and price from everything I've talked, everybody I've talked to, price looks amazing so far in preseason. It looks like he's totally zoned back in. Well, yeah, I'm not worried about Carey Price. But but if you just get up from the 25th worst defense in the league to like say the 15th and you can get your scoring to maybe the 15th, suddenly you're, you're not as horrible as we all act like Montreal could be the okay. worst team in the NHL. I don't think we, they can be the worst. Team we, the we, 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 we've got the honey. Now let's, let's have the vinegar because, mm -hmm. because right now, right now, I'm sorry. The only positive about this team is Carey Price. If Carey Price is healthy, he will win them games. But in a way, that's a negative because if this team is truly in a rebuild, which I think that some of the deals that they've made over the last few months is is indicative of, Carey Price winning you games hurts you in terms of getting getting that top hop, that top draft pick and being in the Jack Hughes sweepstakes. He they'll probably be finished in, in maybe in the bottom ten, but not in the bottom five. Doing really have a good chance to win, but any anybody who misses the playoffs has a chance. Okay, that being said, they add, they get Tatar in the deal uh, from from Vegas for Pacioretty. I think he's more of a roster filler than anything. Drouin is a very good offensive player. Where the the decision making process of the of the Habs of putting him at center has finally been realized as being completely and utterly stupid, and they've moved him to the wing, and that that's good. But I don't know if Max Domi is a center. We'll find out. Although we won't find out. He's probably make the team, Mike. Kudkinemi is playing is playing apparently playing well, and he's going to make the team as an eighteen year old. I don't. Know if that's a good thing. There are, yeah, there are some good players there. Brendan Gallagher is a is a worker. Um, uh, you know, the guy like Paul Byron who just got signed to a four year contract extension. You know, he was an extra guy in Buffalo. He was an extra guy in Calgary. He it was a good waiver pickup by the Canadians, and he is he has done well there. He scored twenty goals last year. And there's some you know hit or miss guys. I think Joe Armia has got more to give. I, I've always liked Della Rose. I don't know how effective he's going to be. The problem here is there's not enough there. There Weber is out till January. They don't have enough scoring. They've got players playing out of position. They have some young players, but this has all the signs of being a train wreck. And especially with the, the pressure of the Montreal fan base on them, maybe their expectations are low. Maybe this is like Toronto in 2015, 2016, where the fan base realizes this team is in a rebuild and they're not going to not gonna eat their own. But I have a feeling the Habs fans, when this team struggles, are going to be having pitchforks and, and for, for Mark Bergevin and Claude Julien, and I don't know whether they can they make it through the season. Yeah, I, I look at them and I say, boy, Victor Mete is your, your number one. I like Victor Mete. I don't think he's 
I, I think they're they're playing him in a spot that's just not exactly right for him. But they don't really have many choices because they've traded a lot of those away, right? So you look at their six, and it's like Mete, you know, Petrie's good, Alzner's good, Jordy Ben's pretty good, Schlenko, you know, Juleson, we don't know what he'll do. Uh, bottom six isn't great. I like Charles Udon's shot. Uh, Skurback, maybe a little something. They're, this is probably a team that comes in 24th or 25th. Yeah. Um, so yeah. here's the thing. Yeah, yeah, if you're yeah. a negative thinker of the Habs and you do that, I saw this great Twitter discussion on that you keep Kotaniemi up for nine games. Let him see what happens in the first nine games. Right. Then you send him back down. Okay. You let him go do some world juniors. You let him have access and, and, and take those things away. And the reason you should do this is, is exactly what the De Jets did with Shifley. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And Dale Howarchuk, and the, before the opening game of the, the inaugural season for the Jets, I was at a, at a luncheon and Dale Howarchuk spoke. And, you know, everyone in the room is, you know, drools coming out of their mouth. They're going to their first professional hockey game in 15 years, blah, blah, blah. And Shifley had been lighting it up in the preseason. And Dale said, look, I know you guys like Shifley, but if you give me another year with him, you're going to like him even more. And you know what? He got the taste. They sent him back down after seven games. Yeah. Then the lockout happened. They brought him into the shortened training camp gave him a couple of games and they put him back down. And that was a blessing for them because it was a shortened season. There was no need, need to rush in. Then he comes back and look what's happened since he came in full time. He yeah. got the right seasoning. He learned. Now the kid is basically a student of hockey. He, he's, he's gone completely all in on, on health initiatives and stuff. He lives for it. Let the, the, the have season is done before it even got out of the gate. They don't have Shea Weber to maybe January. There's no reason to burn a year of this kid's life right. and his deal when you could develop him right and take your infinite resources that you have money for and work with him and trickle yeah. it down to him so he can come back and be your franchise center. But it's not going to happen by just burning him out in this gong show that they have. No, here's the too. I was going to say, like, let's say they're matching up against Pittsburgh or St. Louis or the Flyers, yeah. like their top three centers are Domi, Deneau, and now if we're going to count Kokunami in that, like they're just they're going to get killed. Do you do you want to do you do you want an eighteen year old fresh out of the SM Liga to play to go up against Tavares, Matthews, Bergeron, yeah. Eichel? It's yeah. stupid. It's absolutely stupid. Even yeah, if he's I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of them bringing him in right now either. Um, and I. Saying, all right, so Eck, if you don't bring him in, it's Domi, Dano, and Placanic. How are they going to match up up the middle against these teams? They can't. No, no that's Domi. Come on. No, there, there's no question that I mean they're they are not a deep center team. There's no two ways about it. They don't have a lot. I mean, but they did make a great they made a great trade. You know, in getting another center for Pacioretty, that'll eventually help them. It will help them. Those two guys, you know, hooking at me. Um, they, they they will eventually be part of this team, not this year, but you know. Event, I mean, Koki, I mean, might be, and, and there's a ton of pressure to play in there, and almost, I think it's almost like a why not play him in their mind. And I know they, what I've heard about the kid, and I, I've you've met him probably, wait, you've met him way more than I have, Russ, and you probably we, we, we saw him at the draft combine, yeah, yeah. Um, I've not, I haven't talked to him, but when I talk to people who've talked to him, 
You can tell me if this is true or not. They say he is more mature than you think. No, no, he is. There's no question because he, he's been playing with men and everything else, but he's yeah. not a mature center. He hasn't played center that long. Right. He's big, but he's not strong and filled out. So, I mean, right. what's more beneficial? I mean, yeah, I agree with Peter. If you want to give him a taste of the NHL, see what he's up against, fine. But then do you send him to Laval or do you send him back to Finland and let him play in the World Junior for the Finns? I mean, you know, he probably could play for the World Junior if he goes down to the AHL and he has the option, I believe, to go to the AHL because, I, you know, he was in Europe when he was drafted, so they have that flexibility to do that. But I don't know whether him playing in the American Hockey League is beneficial. Whether I think just a year of seasoning, a year of maturation for a kid who's going to be an important cog in, in the Canadians going forward. They It's a third overall pick. You've got to make sure you develop them the correct way for them to be sort of a linchpin for your team going forward. They have got talent, but they just can't misuse it as they have done and put it in wrong positions as they've done over the last couple of years with Drouin, with Galchenyuk, and now probably with Domi too. Do the same thing that Columbus did with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Do the exact same thing. Don't do what Florida did with Jonathan Huberto, which was brought up in the chat room, which is correct because he took a big step back before he got back to where he should be because yes. he was rushed. No, I agree with that. Um, I mean, they, I think that with the Canadians, and part of this, you know, of rushing them might come down to this interesting thing that I, that I discovered. I was trying, always trying to find the weirdest stats I could find on the team. Um, and this is a very weird one. Now, if you take, if you don't have him in your lineup, if you don't have Kokiemi in your lineup, all right, um, how many of your top six forwards, like assuming that, you know, assuming your top six forwards are, you know, let's go based on a roster resource now without him in the lineup. You have Juran, Domi, Armia, Tatar, Dano, Gallagher. That might be, you know, is Byron in there? Man, maybe. I mean, maybe instead of you know, Tatar. I don't know. But, um, you know, if those are your top six, five of them were acquired. the organization. Five of them were acquired via trade, right. Mm -hmm. Gallagher's the only one who had, wasn't. There are many teams in the NHL that, Usually, your top six has at least three to four right. of your of your own guys. That use, they're usually their first round draft picks you picked up somewhere. So when yeah. you look at what they have here, they they really have a really bizarre number of players on their team that aren't that weren't come up that you know that were moves. And there's a reason that you can sit there and you can talk about the general manager because he's put this team together, right? Like. He has. He is really, literally. This is not the scouts as much as the GM. You know, this is this. This is the GM who's brought these guys in. The scouts were they bad drafting? I mean, Montreal has not been good drafting. Bergevin came in a few years ago with Subban, Pacioretty, and Price as the cornerstones on at forward, on defense, and goal. And in that span, two of them are gone. Right. In both and in both in those instances, they didn't get the better end of those deals. So. It, it's it is on him, but and they're, they're they're from looking at their roster, they're clearly in a rebuild, and I think the best thing for the Canadians is to embrace the rebuild, is to do what teams in their division have done, get yourself another one or two good prospects at the top of the first round and build that way. Now, if they do that, I think they have a good chance of bouncing back within two or three years. But right now, they're on a they're on a shuttle going down. All right, hold on, hold on. Uh, Mike Commodore just tweeted a side-by-side -side picture of Gritty and Jake Voracek with his beard crazy. Yeah. And put Gritty Voracek. That's what I thought, 
too. So I thought that was definitely, definitely true. <laughs> Why don't we talk about the Minnesota Wild before we yes, please, please. All right, please. No, wait, 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 wait. We still have oh, more my God. Go. Hang on. We still have more to go on this. But um, Sakella, John Sakella just tweeted this. This is unbelievable. If you can't, the, the, oh. the caption says, Congratulations to our new deputy attorney general. <laughs> oh boy. It's <laughs> Go ahead, Don't I, love, I love Twitter. All so. right. So tw eight of the twenty players on the on the roster were homegrown. So that you know, we talked about that. But the great thing about this is the fact that their top players have not been. Um now their defense is a little bit more so, but still their top some of their top defenders have not been too. I mean, when you look at their defense, they have you know, um, draft. Well, no, Jolson's homegrown, and he could be one of their top defenders. Jolson and Nettie, Nettie. But besides that, they're all trades or free agent pickups. So you've got only yeah. – that's an incredible thing. I mean, and the really – for the Montreal Canadiens, a team that should be and, – and, and you can't even argue that, you know, okay, they've been – they haven't had – and they haven't drafted in the top ten very often because they've been pretty – I mean, you can argue that, but other teams manage to – players you know without it's been that. a while for the montreal canadians as far as drafting i think in the last couple of years they've rebounded but they had a dry spell like look let's if you want to go back to the 70s and talk about the competitive edge and before that that they had with the territorial rights yeah, right. and you know that's why the canadians were so great for a while i mean look what the rangers had to do just to get sean rattel and roger bear snuck out of there they right. had a they had a they had a number one pick in the in in the in I think it was 1980 and they took Doug Wickenheiser over Denny Savard which yeah. you know, most of the fans want, wanted to I think it was Irving Grunman was the general manager at that point they wanted to hang him from the nearest yard arm because he took a he took a, a an Anglo uh, Canadian over a francophone I mean you know the, the, that happened that happened again later on where they took Carey Price over Gilbert Brule. Which was at the at the time it happened was also the same kind of thing like where people were freaking out about them. That's fair. No, that's fair. Although I think again I don't know what Doug what is it um Doug McLean was thinking when they took Gilbert Brule. I like him and I thought he should have been a top, you know a top five pick, yeah. but I would have taken Carey Price over Gilbert Brule no matter what no matter how good he was in juniors. Just well, because yeah. it was the Carey Canadians had the option. Canadians had the option to take Brulee or Price, as I remember it, right? And they, and they, yes. and they Brule is a guy who just never lived up to it. Well, he had injury problems. He, so, yeah. so, but to get into it, so where they were drafted, where the, so that to get down to it, they have six players in the first from the first round, um, which is which is low. Like we've been doing this thing, you've seen it, like 11, 12, 13 players in the first round. They've got six, um, four from the second. So that means they have what six? They, they've got ten players. Who were drafted in the third round or higher, are not drafted at all. So they've got a lot of players on this team that are, you know, real. They've got three, I think, three not drafted at all. Yeah, so, but mo most of those, most of those players are, you know, like like Hudon and Lekkinen and Sherback and Della Rose. They're they're third, fourth line guys on their team. They're not yeah. they're not occupying main positions. Like as you illustrated in, in the top six, you said five of the six, and only and only Gallagher is the yeah. is is the lone guy. So I mean, again, it, it shows. <laughs> Wait. I can't. So show it again. Show it again, yeah, Peter. It show it again. The evolution of Jake Voracek. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh Brent God. Burns is finally thankful that he's no longer looked at with all those photos of evolution. I'm going to give the Flyers credit, but we'll get back to that in a second. Um, all right. So let me finish this. Um, now, where where are they from? Because people have really been telling me they like this whole like what country are they from? Where are the Canadians from? And 
remember there was a long period of time where the Montreal Canadiens had a lot of Americans on their team. Yeah, yeah. Um, how many do you think they have right now? Three. How about one? Yeah, because Matt Pacioretty's gone too, yeah. Yeah, so Jeff, Jeff Petrie is their only American. Wow. On their team, I put in Victor Mete and originally in the blog because I've mixed up. I apologize they, they ah. them because they were next, they're, they're defense partners, but Mete is obviously Canadian. Yeah. Um, so fourteen Canadians are actually Canadian. <laughs> um, fourteen is a large number, a really big number, a really high number. Um, and that so that they have four players from Finland. This this is the most finished team I've seen so far, which is really interesting. Uh, and that is, of course, if Kokaniemi makes it. Otherwise, a, you know, they get three. A primarily finished team with not a lot of finish. <laughs> yeah, but it, but the thing about finished teams is is they about finished players is they generally are, are very responsible defensively, right? So this is a team that should that should help them in this whole thing. If you want to make the argument that the team defense can improve the overall defense, there's a possibility of that. Yeah, and it I think usually come to the, it would usually come from the center position, and I don't know if it's coming from there. That's the only leap of yeah. faith i can't take yeah no totally um do we have time for minnesota today yes we yes let's uh, do it okay um i gotta bring up my notes for that so um sorry i apologize no no uh, well i'll start. I'll, I'll, start. I'll start off here because minnesota i mean their off season was rather underwhelming to, to say the least because they didn't really make any kind of big moves it was mostly now they were 45 26 and 11 101 points and if you look at their roster this year and, and who they brought in you know they brought in the likes of Eric Fair they did you know, they didn't they didn't uh let's see my Eric Fair uh um uh, Matt Hendricks JT Brown Matt Reed who I'm sure you know Russ and Acker are very well aware of Greg Patterson I mean it, this is not uh, this is not bringing in Tavares or trading for Pacioretty. These are like, to. That's the question. I don't think yeah. they have to. Well, that, that and that's the thing. It's like, I mean, and we, we discussed this. I like their core, uh, the young the young potential core that they're going to have in the next few years. I think Erickson Eck is very, is very talented. Um, you know, the, you know, they, uh, Zucker is extremely underrated. You know, they, they were trying to basically, everybody's talking about giving him away to Vegas and the guy scored over 30 goals. You know, the key to them right now is you've got so much money invested in Parise, in Suter, in Nino Niederreiter, in Granlund. They need those guys to do what they normally do or when they're healthy and score 25 to 30 goals or log 25 to 30 minutes on the blue line. And, you know, Parise and Suter are starting to get a little, old, a little long in the tooth, and I'm not sure if they can carry as much of a burden, and they need some of the younger players to start carrying that burden. Well, Parise's healthy, and I think he will have a like an 80-something point season. I do, based on what I saw last year. Uh, I look at Erickson Eck, and I do think he'll have a, uh, a nice year, a really nice year. I look at Jordan Greenway as the fourth-line center, if that's true, and, you know – he, he matured a lot. Like, I had a really long conversation with him at the uh, the rookie photo shoot. And, you know, he literally went from BC or BU to the Olympics, back to BU to the wild, you know, all in the same, all in the same year. And, and it's, that gave him a lot of, you know, a lot of different kinds of experience. And I think him, JT Brown, Felino, that's actually a, a really good fourth line if that's their fourth line. They have four really good defensemen. I think Dubnik is still capable of carrying the team. I think the best contract in hockey is Eric Stahl's three and a half million. That's a bargain. 
based on what he did off last year, and I think he'll have a similar year. I think these guys are coming out of the West. I do. I think nobody's looking at them. Everybody's looking at every other team. Wow. And they had 100 points, and they're going to have 100 points again. And they're going to the Stanley Cup Finals? Is that what you're saying? I think they're going to the Stanley Cup Finals, yes. Wow. Nice. People are going to like that. We've got a lot of good Minnesota fans out there. Bold. What, yep. what do you think? What do you, what do you think? Luke Cunning is healthy too. He's a guy that's going to slot in somewhere. Peter, you saw this team. You saw them lose to yeah. the Jets in five games. What do you think of them? I, you know, this is a tough one. They, the Wild, have a lot of interesting pieces, but their core duo is Parise and Suter. And if those guys aren't giving value the trickle down for the cap space and what they take hurts the rest of the team. So the Wilder in a situation where they need, they need young guys coming up playing above their contract value to fill it out. I, I'm not, I mean, I think the wild could be a good team. I also think they could be an average team and it really just depends on some health stuff, some other things and a few, and, and, you know, and just general luck that happens right that throughout the season if they stay healthy you know maybe that series with the jets goes seven games and it's a toss-up in game seven because you've got you know you've got guys you've got parisi and Suter who are in the lineup and that makes all the difference that that's you know that's the thing with the wild you know those two contracts and those two players are such massive entities for that team that you, you rock them things can go off the rails pretty quick yeah i think Bruce Boudreau is a great coach. I think there's a lot of teams. Hey, I think he's the kind of coach that if you need to, your team to go to the next level, he's the guy you bring in. That's the well, kind that's of coach. Okay. That's where this team is. I mean, if they were looking and for that's a coach, it. but they need they need health, and that's yeah, the that's issue. Sure. But they have a mix. They do have a mix of old and young. Like they even do. a guy like Matt Reed can still penalty kill, and that's probably why they brought him in because that's a guy where if they do have an inter- an injury. You could slot him in, and he could penalty kill. Pattern is a good, tough defenseman. That's it. He's a big guy, like 6'3". That defense, though, top four, as solid as top four as you'll get in hockey. Yeah. I mean, no, totally. And people really people really um, downplay um, Broden, how good he is. He is. Yeah, Broden put large, huge minutes. Dumba could have a year where he scores 20 goals, and nobody would be shocked. Yeah. Let me do some interesting numbers on these guys. Um, okay, so their goals per game, they were 11th. Their goals against per game were 11. So they're right. You know, they're still in their close to the top 10, good both categories. Pretty much what you'd expect, like from the wild. They are sort of a, everybody, they're a middle of the road team, it seems like. And they do middle of the road numbers usually. And they, they really don't step out sometimes to be more than that. And that's been their issue. They don't have those moments when they just become like an obvious contender, but they are always right on the edge of it. And they, any year you could say that, like Russ is saying, they could, that this could be their year. I, I did it two years ago, I think, that I thought that they were going to come out. Um, all right. So they're, um, there's, you know, their shooting percentage is not very good. That was one of the things that they, that, that they struggled with, but they're the biggest thing with them is that, you know, when you look at their 20 man roster, they, their average age is 28, you know, 0.1 years old. They are the 28th, the oldest team in the NHL. So this is a team, you know, they have some, young, they do have some youth, like you said, Russ, they have some, they have two great, they have two key guys on entry level contracts in Erickson and Greenway, you know, um, and Erickson Eck and Greenway. Well, Luke Cunning too. Luke Cunning's Luke Cunning, yeah. Luke Cunning's making the team, yeah, for sure. And they, yeah. it'll, be, it'll be making it too. Um, but like we just talked about the Montreal Canadiens, how many how many Canadians are on this team? 
Canadian-born players around the Minnesota Wild. I'm we gonna all know say five. That's good. You got it. Five, five, five Canadians. Um, eleven Americans. So this is the you know almost the opposite, almost the mirror image of Montreal, and you know that that's kind of fascinating. And we know the Minnesota players like to go back and play in Minnesota, so that's part of it. But they they definitely have have really put together a good, Amer a good strong American group. But to me, there the one it comes down to one thing with them. And that really hasn't been mentioned is, and that's Dubnik. I think I really think it, I really think it comes down to Dubnik with with Minnesota because they need a guy like when Minnesota is at their best, Dubnik is stealing them points. Here and and they have a good backup, right? Alex Stalock's a good backup. He's a he's a strong backup, but they really they need Dubnik to steal them a few points, enough yeah. points to get them higher in the standings because that's because th this is this division is a lot about the standings. You know, you really want you really want to get you really want to win the division if you can because you know. That would be better than having, you know, to face somebody from the Pacific is a better thing than having to face or, you know, potentially facing, you know, the second and the second, third battle in this thing we've talked about before is, in this division. The second, third battle is way too tough. Like no matter who you face, it's going to be Winnipeg. It's going to be, you know, it's, it could be Nashville. It could be St. Louis. It could be Colorado. I mean, it's, it's tough. The second, third battle in this division. Crazy. Is really you want a crazy stat? Yeah. Dubnik's. Lifetime save percentage is actually 917, and with the Wild, it's 923. Yeah. Considering how his career was going, getting bounced around and everything, it does show that he's a high-caliber goalie. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, oh. there's wow. so many teams who took a swing and a miss on Dubnik because yeah. of damage by Oilers. So, I mean, don't like Dubnik's a good goalie. Dubnik will get you get you average or above goaltending on probably any team he plays other than the Oilers because they're a mess. And and that's what you want from a goalie. So Dubnik's not the problem. The, the, the thing is, is I think the, the, the problem Dubnik has as a goalie is he can get a little spinny in his head. And that's yeah. where things can unravel for him. And he hasn't figured out how to how to rein that back in. Right. And and with and with the strength of that division, Peter, if he goes flighty for two or three weeks or they lose Parise yeah. to an injury for a month or something like that. That's the difference between well, being, be fighting for third place and so basically being look at look at the central division yeah. and ask yourself which teams could survive the long term loss of a number one goalie. Not Chicago, not Winnipeg, maybe Minnesota, maybe, yeah, maybe not maybe, Dallas, maybe Nashville with this with their defense. D yeah, yeah Nashville, the and they, then backups Nashville. They not Dallas. Mm -hmm. Colorado could two out of the seven. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Like it's good. so this is like if if you out of five teams, if you had a significant goalie injury, they're going to be on speed dial. They better have Steve Mason's agent on speed dial yeah. right away, because it could get really ugly for them. Well, Michael Hutchinson was placed on waivers uh, yeah. yesterday and didn't get claimed. So, yeah, you know, you know interest to that point, there was a lot of um. A lot of chatter in Winnipeg when that happened about, hey, pick him up. That relationship's over. Um, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press talked about, he did a little nice little Twitter summary of why it is done and everything. And even though um, Hutchinson's fiance lives here, she owns a very successful bakery here. He um, actually lives about six blocks away from me. Um, nice neighborhood, but not glamoury. Um, <laughs> he calls Winnipeg home now. Winnipeg's his home because of you know his wife, his fiance's here. Um, that relation, that ship sailed with Winnipeg. He wanted out. This is his last chance to make you know really get a deal. And I'm surprised no one's picked him up. I mean, it's a million dollars, maybe a little higher than some teams want to spend on a backup. But yeah, I, I don't think see you know, why you wouldn't. 
I think he's going to get picked up. Somebody will pick him up. I think it's just a matter of teams want to see. He'll sit out there for a week or two, and then he'll get picked up. Could the Flyers once he clears waivers, he's he's assigned to their minor league camp, so he won't yeah. go through waivers again. No, that's true. I think yeah. that yeah, no, you're you right. Don't go through that. entry waivers. So well, no, we'll, we'll know today, right? We'll know today if he gets picked up. No, no, he, he was unclaimed. Nobody got claimed. Okay, all right. Well, there you go. I mean, somebody could still trade for him. But still, like Peter said, if they try and call him back up, then somebody could grab him. That's no, there's no re-entry waivers anymore. There is no re-entry. Okay, well, now then, yeah. he could be traded but, for, guys. I mean, there's ways to get him. I mean, he, obviously, they're not. They're not. They would trade him. I mean, they would. They would love. They would much rather trade for him than have him be picked up by somebody. So. You know, it's the kind of thing that's a, it's timing on when they put him through the waivers. They were, timing, pretty, yeah. they were pretty good. I mean, there's another time they could have easily gotten he could easily gotten snatched up. He's too good a goalie to be in that situation right now. But um, I think I think the end. I think the big question on this team. If there's one question on this team, in Minnesota, it is will will uh, will Boudreau make make it through the year? That's my my. I think I, he will, and I think the yeah. same way we all had questions. Look. Eagles fans question Doug Peterson. Yankee fans question Joe Torre. Char- um, Phillies fans, they they can't they they question Charlie for a while. Like it, there's always these guys that get questioned and then somehow do win a championship. I'm not saying they're gonna win a championship, but I'm saying Boudreaux might have his moment because he's not a bad coach. No. I don't know what the reason has been that they've gotten derailed in the playoffs, but he might have his day at some point. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know what? People said people criticized Ovechkin, and it happened. Right. Um. All right. So that that's it. I mean, well, I I just I tend to think with the new GM there, it's interesting when you have a new GM in a situation yeah. with a, with an older coach, right? And right. you know, Boudreaux is the kind of coach that does. There is a point at which it doesn't work, right? So whether or not this is and and, and that's not always. And that point is not always because of like his numbers. And we saw in Anaheim, his numbers were always great, but there was just a point at which they had to make a change. You wonder how long Minnesota goes with it until they feel that same way. If, like, if, if Barry Trotz had not taken the Islander job and had just quit, quit Washington and was out there as a free agent coach, I think Bruce Boudreau would either be sweating as the season started or be out of a job because they, they would have hired Trotz. But I don't see I heard it. that Fenton and Trotz are not the greatest of. Well, I, I, I'm just saying that the I'm connection. Not so sure. It was an obvious thing, though. It makes sense because, you know, you thought about it. We thought about it. he's a great coach, and Fenton obviously worked with him. But well, it's I heard... funny, though. But if I look at this team, right, with Stahl, Parise, and Suter, like, those are guys that even if things are going a little off the rails, like, look, the 94 Rangers, a lot of things went off the rails with Mike yeah. Keenan, but Mark Messier did keep a lot in line with a lot of those veterans in the locker room. They have veterans like that that can keep the ship steered right, if you think about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, finally, let's defend Gritty for a second again, because oh, I think no. that um, – I think let, let's throw this out there. In the day and age of social media – all right. So, in the day and age of social media, um, is there really – Anything the Flyers could have put out there as a mascot that wouldn't have gotten torn to shreds. I want to throw yes, that out. Yes. I think they should. But you know what? what? I think people what? are tearing it to shreds because, because it's hilarious. Like, it's not bad. It's just hilarious. I think they could have put out an orange flamingo, and people might have made a flamingo joke. But that would have they would have gone away quickly compared to this. This is going to live on for a while. Like, this isn't. But, but for all the right for all the right reasons, this what's the Oilers mascot's name? Lynx. 
Yeah, I, no. you got me. I, yeah, I all, all I know is he, I think you could have put out put out an orange and black version of the Philly Fanatic, and it would have gone over better than this. All right, let's, I was just about to say that. Let's look at the Philly Fanatic for a second, okay? The Philly Fanatic, if he was released, uh, people would be like, "What the hell is that?" I mean, that, that so this is released for this is released for kids, okay? It's about kids, all right? And they definitely have a, you know, and, and it does look a Voracek thing is hilarious for sure. <laughs> Um, it really does. There's no question about that. But act, this thing looks like it looks like a it looks like a, a molester with no, the, no, with no, the no. eyes. The, the, the Oilers, okay. The Oilers mascot is named Hunter, and he's a lynx. He's terrifying. This isn't terrifying. It's 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 hilarious for all the right reasons. Yet it's still kind of creepy. Like it's kind of like, but but there's jokes to be made with this, which makes it awesome. The right. Oilers one, it's just like you got like, you know what? If you can't even fix your team, you shouldn't even be getting into mascots. Like that's way. Flyers at least people can have fun with. You know, Carlton the Bear is this nice polar bear. I mean, they, all right here, and then Peter uncovered this act in his bio. Gritty likes hot dogs. And we already know the Flyers have too many dollar hot dog nights. Like it's yeah. just yeah, which means there'll be a lot of gas at the uh, at the arena with, with oh, yeah. the dollar. Uh, the dollar hot dog nights are are you know that they have they have the hot dollar hot dog nights in like four um, EMTs places like don't strike a match. He dialed any minute. But I'm just saying. I, I think we have to. I think we have to have an episode ranking all to, going through all the mascots and just <laughs> say like you know we we got to do it guys. We in have summer, to in the summer when we have time to kill. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, um, it'll be hosted January. by Kermit, Kermit the Frog and Beaker. Well, or no, I'll, during the All Star break when nobody wants wants to watch the game. Here's the thing: you could have painted Jason Kelsey from the Eagles orange, and it would have been a better mascot. <laughs> well, my my Commodore has got red hair, and he looks like they're sort of like. I just think there's no winning. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to I'm gonna say with the Flyers, there's no winning this. Okay, this is social media. There is no mascot they could have released. You know it couldn't be for a better fan base, though. That's the thing. Flyers fans are creative. They're funny. They like to have a laugh at things. If this was in Toronto, could you imagine? Could oh, you imagine? But look at the enough to do it, But look at the mask. Look at the mascot from the Expos. That you know. That you know. You I mean, is a better mascot than this. that. Much different than this guy. I mean, the difference between the the, the two of them is is minimal. You be is friendly looking. All right, you be. You want to know what the difference is? Yuppie looks more educated, okay? <laughs> I'm hey, guys, I got to run here. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Remember without the buzz. Remember without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.